Welcome back to another episode of Success in Mind. In today's episode, we have a fascinating interview with the incredible Sean Moore, a full-time real estate investor with over 23 years of experience. Sean shares with us invaluable insights about his journey, starting from humble beginnings to becoming a successful entrepreneur in the real estate industry. We delve deep into his story of resilience, facing challenges head-on and finding new opportunities in unexpected places. From fixing and flipping properties to venturing into the world of short-term rentals, Sean's wisdom and expertise will leave you inspired and motivated to take action. Get ready to learn about the power of mindset, the secrets to success, and the importance of building a life of fulfillment. So let me introduce you to Sean Moore. He is an active real estate investor and the host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. He's also the founder of Vodacy.com, the number one vacation rental investing education company in the world. Sean has one goal in mind, to cut through all the noise and help you find success in acquiring, managing, and marketing a profitable vacation rental portfolio. Sean has helped thousands of new and experienced investors alike navigate the complicated world of vacation rental investing. If you don't catch him in the office, he will be spending time with his wife and two kids on a river, beach, or mountain somewhere where phones and computers don't work. You're listening to Success in Mind with Terry Holland, the show for high-performing entrepreneurs, leaders, and changemakers ready to take your life and your business to the next level. If you're ready for whole life success, keep listening. Hey, Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely, Terry. So excited that you had me and uh, excited to jump into this conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm actually someone who's looking at getting into vacation rental property investments over the next year. So this is very timely for me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about for sure then. Definitely. So why don't we start with the beginning? How did you get started in this? Yeah. It's been uh, it's been an interesting journey. So I've been a full time real estate investor for 23 years now. So dialing all the way back right out of college, I had a job as a sales rep for about six months and was making about thirty one thousand dollars a year. And and I started seeing this guy next to one of my customers who would fly in and out on this helicopter. And I'm like, what the heck does that guy do? And at the time, I was still my wife and I would always go to Barnes and Noble and we would buy books and we were always really interested in real estate. And, And back then we had the Carl and Sheets on TV and I have my taped cassettes and listen to all the real estate gurus talking about real estate. This It happened to, that I bought this book in Barnes and Noble and it happened to be the guy that was flying around this helicopter that was close to us. And so one day I went over and had a little conversation with him and, and he said, listen, I'm hosting a, a seminar this next weekend. Why don't you come join me at the seminar and we're going to talk about what I wrote in the book. And so we did that and the the rest was history. We uh, a week later we flipped the house or we wholesaled the house and to another flipper and got a check for nineteen thousand dollars after putting it under contract and didn't. When we were like, "Holy crap, this is two thirds of what I make in a year." Maybe right. we should think about this real estate thing. And so that was back in two thousand, right? So that was the twenty three years ago. And along that journey, I've been in a lot of different asset classes and building a, a number of different businesses through real estate development businesses, building. We built a lot of homes. I did a lot of fix and flips, hundreds and hundreds of fix and flips for years was the main source of revenue for us. And as we started 
doing this, we we're developing properties and I started getting into a development. I went and asked this hard money lender if we would, if he would lend us money on a development we were doing. It was a normal, the normal thing that we would do is always borrow money from hard money for six months to a year. We develop it, entitle it and then sell it. This lender, he said, told me no. And it was a really good deal. He said, I don't, we're not going to do this development, Sean, but we want you and Teresa to come work with us on a development we're doing. And you guys be the marketing and sales department for this big high-end resort community. And this was a big ski and golf resort community in, in the mountains in Utah. Yeah, but I'm talking like $25, $30 million homes. So really high. And so this was back in 2006. And we were like, we told them no for a little while because we had our, we'd established ourselves with this nice little fix and flip business and development business. And we were our own bosses and doing our own thing. So we told him no for about six months and, and he just kept, we just kept talking, but it was, we were really intrigued by the opportunity to work on this really big project because we didn't work on that bigger project. Then. And right. so we did that. We jumped, made the leap to this resort style. And this is my introduction to hospitality, right? It was, these were all mm -hmm. second homes, resort type properties. And we, we started doing that, having a lot of fun and really helping this resort get off the ground. About two and a half, three years into it, at the end of 2008, the owners of the resort got indicted on securities charges. One day the Fed yeah. came into the office and locked down computers, locked down laptops and took all the file cabinets and said, we were shutting it down. And it was just like this overnight, everything just shut off. And wow. so at the time we were just all looking around and pointing fingers. And I immediately reverted to that victim role of this isn't my fault. This is mm -hmm. somebody else's fault. I didn't do anything wrong. Why is this happening to me? And getting in that, the mindset, which you're so you know, big into, of this was this downward spiral for us, right? Because mm -hmm. all I was doing was playing the blame game and figuring out all these bad things that were happening. And all I would do is focus on the bad. And mm -hmm. about six months into it, Bills weren't getting paid. We lost our house. We lost our vehicles. We lost everything that we had built up, but except for one little asset. We had this mountain house in a lake community in, it's called Bear Lake, Utah. And we started putting it on local, like local classifieds, Craigslist, and started renting it on the weekends. And we lost our everything but that house in it. It was making us a little bit of money, but more importantly, just producing the whole time we had it. I didn't lose it, right? At the time, that was my goal was not to foreclose on this one as well. And it was producing enough money that we were able to keep it. That was, that's important to the story because of what we ended up doing afterwards. But about six months in, after we lost everything, finally, I read, I was reading a magazine that just said, hey, listen, you got to, once you take responsibility for your life, you're going to take control of your life. And this hey. quote in this magazine that from this guy named Craig Proctor, and he's, he was a real estate trainer. But it's, it almost like just felt like it was just this slap in the face. Like <laughs> you got to get your shit together, right? You got to get after yeah. it and go and take some responsibility here and get back on your feet and start grinding again and doing your thing. And so we did that. We finally rolled up our sleeves. I didn't have any money to invest. I didn't, I, I wasn't, I couldn't do the development deals that I did in the past because we had lost everything and I wasn't very lendable at the time. The real estate market in 2009 wasn't exactly the best market. We we're in a tailspin yeah. here in the States and with the, the, in the great recession. Right. And, but I had a real estate license because of what we had done in the mm -hmm. past. So I started selling real estate. I started helping the investors buy and because I understood how to underwrite investment deals. I understood that game and I started mm -hmm. helping them find good deals and that got us back on our feet. And 
we started grinding away again and starting to make some money and, and ultimately started doing more development deals and, and back to what we were used to doing. And yeah. this was back, my wife and I also had fertility problems. And oh. so we tried for a long time to have kids. And back at, back in that time, there was a, we got tested, we tried all kinds of stuff for about eight years, mm -hmm. couldn't have kids. And then we finally got all the really expensive tests to, to find out what was wrong. And, and we had to do this procedure called ICSI. It was in vitro fertilization, but it was a new procedure mm -hmm. called ICSI, which was at the time really pretty new. And it had about a 20% chance of working and it wasn't covered by insurance. And so about a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm looking at Teresa saying, I don't know, maybe kids aren't in the cards, right? Embarrassingly, I was more saying, maybe we shouldn't do this. And I was looking at it just because saying, I just barely got back on my feet. I don't know if I can write that big check and drain everything again and go back through that rebuild process. And, and luckily for me, Teresa was not of the same mindset and she was <laughs> more determined than me. And we were, we did it and we were blessed with twins. We had White and Grace oh, wow. in 2011. And so it was really a, it was, again, I, I'm embarrassed to say that I was a, like almost, if without Teresa, I wouldn't have done it. But once I had kids, I changed. I changed my mindset of thinking about who do I want to be? What kind of an example do I want to be? What do I want to teach them? All these things that go right. through your head as a new parent. And at that time, I was just always thinking about that stuff. Well, fast forward until they were, we, every year for their birthday, we don't do presents. We don't do parties. We always take them to Hawaii. We go to the same place in Hawaii for the week. And it's all about just having a fun week together. And that's how we celebrate nice. their birthday. And so at one, one of those birthdays, we were there and they were turning four. And I was working on a development deal. I was really frustrated and I was really stressed out. And Wyatt mm -hmm. grabbed my hand and he said, dad, if you're, if real estate's not very fun in Utah, you should just sell real estate in Hawaii. And nice. I'm thinking, okay, good, yeah, if it was just that, <laughs> the mind of a four-year-old. But at that, but that, I remember him grabbing my hand and telling me that. And at the same time, Tony Robbins was talking about his friend, Robin Williams, who had just committed suicide and was talking about success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. And so yeah. you can have all the money in the world. You can have all the success in the world, but if you're not fulfilled, you, it's, there's this emptiness. And then, mm -hmm. and at the same time, a neighboring state here, I'm in, live in Utah and a neighboring state of Idaho was running their tourism department, was running this ad campaign called 18 summers. And the whole point of it was you've got 18 summers with your kids. Don't waste them, wow. spend the time, right? So all these things together made me ask the question of what do I really like to do? And I really love, yeah. I loved investing in real estate. But at the time I was in the hospitality space, I really loved that as well. And I had that asset that was a short-term rental back then before short-term rentals were ever popular. Right. And they're saying, there might be something to this. We still have that. We're making pretty dang good money on it right now. And so at that time we dove, like I, I, would, I shut down everything I was doing development-wise and we dove right into the short-term rental game. And, wow. and that's so... Terry, that was a long-winded answer <laughs> to where did we get and how did we get there? But I think it's important that sometimes people think, man, this is, we've grown it to where we've grown it to. And mm -hmm. you look at on the surface that, man, there's this huge company and there's this, there's this massive portfolio, but it doesn't always start there. There's a lot of backstory to it. And we yeah. got into this asset class and that's what brought us here by accident and just asking ourselves the question of what do we really like to do? And we've had a lot of fun since. Amazing. I think that's such an incredible story. 
And I appreciate you taking us through that journey because for a lot of us, without knowing that, we just think you must have always had lots of money to invest with and it must have been easy for you. And so I think I appreciate you sharing that. And so how about for those of us like myself who are looking at getting our first short-term rental investment property, like what, what should we keep in mind as we're getting started? Yeah, keep in mind that this is, Short-term rentals are like any other asset class out there. There's pros and cons to them, right? There's no perfect asset in, I believe in real estate more than probably anybody you'll ever talk to. I love real estate as a means to building wealth and creating that lifestyle, financial freedom that we're all after. And I I think it's a passive income vehicle that works for so many people. Short-term rentals are an asset class within real estate, right? Just like any like multifamily, long-term commercial, they're all can serve a lot of different purposes. Short-term rentals, you first have to realize that short-term rentals are not a fad anymore. They're not a trend, right? We had this big Mm -hmm. spike after post-COVID, right? And they became very popular. That COVID really accelerated the maturity of this as an actual asset class. When I got into it, it wasn't considered its own asset class, right? It was something that you did with a property, maybe grandma's cabin, and you throw it on the Craigslist KSL or your KSL, my local classified, sorry. That's uh, like your (laughs) local classifieds. That's how we started. Then Airbnb came along and that was more urban destinations and couch surfing and sharing. And then it turned Mm -hmm. into more of a a professional way to go and host people in those urban destinations. COVID made it to where it was really popular in the destination markets. And it really started to explode onto the scene. The, when you're thinking about getting into it now, you have to realize there was this major wave of popularity for the last couple of years. And having a short-term rental was like having toilet paper during COVID. Everybody was making money. And there was a lot of people that jumped into the game. But they, it's an asset class that has a lot of really great advantages and benefits to be able to invest in for the long term. You're not riding a fad anymore. And like any mature market, like any mature asset, the top 20% of the market makes 80% of the money. That's true across the board in any market that you go into. It doesn't matter whether you're a plumber, whether you're an attorney, or whether you own a short-term rental. When it's a mature market, which short-term rentals are at this stage, you're going to have rules and regulations that you've got to follow. You're going to have different things that you have to really look into. And for somebody getting into it, realize what you're getting into, right? You want to walk into the game with your eyes wide open and saying, I have to pay attention to it and not just treat it as I'm going to go buy a cabin or a beach house or whatever it is and throw it on Airbnb and make money. Those days are behind us. And they were really short-lived anyway. They were only about a year and a half, two-year period that we could do that. And a lot of people think that's the game, but that's not the game. This is, it's their short-term rentals, but it's a long-term investment. And so one, you want to make sure that you're in it for the long-term. What are the property goals? What are you trying to, what is the purpose that you want this asset to serve for you to build that lifestyle financial freedom? The funnest part about this asset to me is that we actually get to use them. I've invested in a lot yeah. of different real estate and I've never had my wife tell me, hey, Sean, grab the kids and the bags and we're going to go visit the duplex for the weekend. We're going to go use the, but we do that with our short-term rental portfolio and it's a right. lot of fun. But the key is understanding that it is an actual mainstream asset at this stage, which needs to be treated that way in the very beginning. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to get into the game thinking you're going to ride this wave that is already pretty much gone. Good to know. That's, yeah, that sounds like great advice. And what do you, would you say, because you've obviously been very successful at doing this, what do you think is the key to your success in this industry? 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's the key to success for most people is, and I say this because of I've been on both sides of the coin, is mm-hmm. our success comes from our one, our mindset of being able to look at the possibilities and the all the all of the great things that we want to accomplish. And we really do focus on that. We don't focus on the negatives of it, but we also look at it and realize, okay, it's not just it's not just putting a vision board on the wall and thinking about that every day. I love vision boards. I love affirmations and all that stuff. But I also, the key is realizing that it takes effort and work to accomplish those things and knowing that every day I'm going to pick one thing that's going to drive me toward those goals. And I think that being able to accept the fact that I don't have to accomplish everything overnight Mm -hmm. and I can say, okay, here's my vision board on the wall. Here's where I'm going. Here's what I wanted. Here's who I want to be and what I want to become and what I want to accomplish. And every day saying, if I make decisions that t- move me toward that, I'm okay with the day. And instead of saying, looking at the challenges and the obstacles, I've heard Dean Graziosi talk about a river guide. I don't know if you've ever heard him talk about it. He said that a really right. experienced river guide will never tell somebody, hey, don't go hit that rock. Hey, you have to really watch out for that tree around the bend because it can flip the raft over. He says, okay, what we want to do is we want to hit that corner where that current is. He says that you focus on where you want to go, yeah. not where you don't want to go, because wherever your focus is at, whether you want to or not, it, you're, that's where you're going. Yeah. And so I think the key to success is being able to identify and then focus on where we want to be going and be okay with the work and the journey along the way, knowing that it's not going to be perfect. There's never a straight line to success from where we're at today to where we want to be tomorrow. That line has all kinds of curves and bumps in the road, right? And being okay with that yeah. as long as we're continuing to move forward. Nice. And when you do have those those times, like you hit the curve in the road or something happens that's unexpected for you, um, do you ever have bad days where you think, oh, I just want to quit and go do something else? Or I'm just going to go get a regular job. Do you have those days? And then if you do, what do you do to get out of it? Yeah, absolutely. I have those days. I think, I, I think it would be <laughs> anybody that tells you they don't have those days. I, I don't know that how much we try to, again, it's having those conversations with ourselves and not letting those bad days take control and turn into multiple, like that spiral out of control, mm-hmm. right? Saying, hey, listen, Sean, you're being a victim here. You're acting like a victim. You're acting like blaming. Like I always tell people, I believe there's layers of different things that, that we start that, that hold us back. And when we have those bad days, the first thing we typically do is look at our outside circumstances. We figure, okay, what can I point to on the outside that is causing this form? And then if we're, if we get beyond the outside circumstance, we're saying, okay, well, there's maybe there's somebody else, my partner, my spouse, my, my friends, they are telling me that I can't do this or I'm, I shouldn't be doing this. And we let them dictate that control. And the last thing we typically do, which is the true reason why we don't move forward or we have those bad days that spiral out of control, is we don't look in the mirror and say, it's us. It's our own okay. fears, our own doubts, our own insecurities, because we'd rather point to the outside. We'd rather point to somebody else. And so when you have those bad days, for me, it's just trying to, it's trying to acknowledge that it's a bad day, that ha- bad days happen. Yeah. And I'm not going to let this bad day dictate my future. I'm not going to let outside mm-hmm. circumstances dictate my, what I want out of life. I'm not going to let somebody else dictate what I want out of life. And so I remind myself what I'm able to, what we've been able to do. Like sometimes it's nice to say what, if I look at my life today, a year ago, would I be, would I have been happy with where I'm at? And most of us, 
100% of the time, almost, we're like, man, a year ago, I would have dreamed where I'm at today. It'll be awesome. Yeah. And so it's, sometimes it's just that reminder. Every single day, I always say a gratitude prayer right when I wake up and right when I go to bed, right? And, nice. and the whole point of that is the one before we go to bed, we do it together as a family. My wife, my, myself, my wife, Teresa, and our two kids, we all go and it, we, we do it in the form of prayer. And we say, hey, thanks. Here's the things I'm thankful for today. Thank you for helping me with mm -hmm. this. Thanks for this. Because try to remind yourself that there's a lot of good things going on, even when you're having bad days, right? Absolutely. And to me, that's a way for us to get out of that, the, that mindset of the negative. Because the, the negative mindset, one, it's really easy, right? It's really easy mm -hmm. to say, if you list all the things that are going to keep you from doing something, most of us can come up with a laundry list, right? If you say, okay, yeah. now, tell me the things that are going to make it to where that you're going to succeed with that. And sometimes we struggle, right? We're like, okay, and that, sh that should be the opposite, right? So you have to just, awareness is the key to say, we all have bad days. Motivation fades, inspiration fades, all of those things fade, mm -hmm. right? And we have to be able to say every single day, I always say at the end of my um, podcast and when I talk to people is to pick one thing that you can do, just one thing today, to start building that life you don't want to take a vacation from. The point of that is to say, just take steps forward every single day before you know it. You're, you're a mile down the road. You're 10 miles down the road. Yeah. And you look back and you're like, man, I can't believe how far I've come. I love that you mentioned your gratitude practice. Do you have, do you have any other habits or rituals that you do throughout the day that help keep you focused and motivated? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm very structured and routine to the point where it drives the people around me crazy. And, <laughs> and I, like to the point, like I eat the same thing every day. Like I have wow. Chipotle, they, I call in the order, they bring it back to my office. I have my, my, have my routine. I have Teresa and I, like every single day we wake up, we have coffee together for an hour. And so we, nice. before we do anything for the day, we talk about the day, we talk about what we're going to be doing. We have the, we have the workout. I, I, for me, without those things, I do lose do lose the energy. And for me, it's the energy, right? When you're going, like I have to be able to, we try to work out, we try to make sure that we're eating right. We're trying to do all those different things, but also making priorities for the people in our lives that, because most of us have a really small inner circle, if we're honest, right? You probably have yeah. five people that you're really close to, right? Or less. And, yeah. and making sure that, and, and for me, it's my family. And so we make sure that I make sure that I have time every single morning with just Teresa and I and every single night with the kids and Teresa and I. So, you know, we, we start the day and I end the day with the people that that are priorities in my life and that are important to me. And I want to try to make sure because I have a tendency to not be as present as I should many times. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I have to make a point to have those times and remind myself, OK, now that's Teresa's time. That's White and Grace's time. And I'm not going to do work stuff. The same is true though when I'm at work and I'm working with our team or we're working on an investment project or we're working with some of our mentorship clients is, mm -hmm. the, is when I compartmentalize that time, I block everything else out. So for me, that's how that keeps us like on task. But it also is very like it at the end of the day, it, it helps us stay motivated and keep and running down the, that right path. Because again, I do believe motivation is, it's tough to sustain long-term, right? It, motivation yeah. is fleeting, right? Inspiration is fleeting. And so we have to make sure that we've got 
what our actual goals are. And I review those every single day. The same, the gratitude prayer is literally in the morning is a list of my goals as if I've accomplished them. Hey, thank you for helping me get here, helping me get this. That's almost like more of a gratitude, but affirmations Mm -hmm. around the goals, right? So that I start the day focused on those goals, right? It's all about focus for me because I can lose focus pretty quick. I always tell people if I was a fish, I'd grow up to be about 80 inches long because any shiny object (laughs) by me, I'd go grab any lure. And so for me, I have to be very intentional about what we're doing every second of the day. And it's very compartmentalized to the point where it's really annoying for people around me (laughs) because they're like, man, you have to have some (laughs) flexibility here. And I'm like, no, sorry, that's, that's, that works for me. I love it. And if you looking back, because you've now been doing this for quite a while. So if you could, you know, if you could go back and do anything differently, or if you could, if you knew back then what you know now, would you have changed anything or done it differently? Man, that's a great question. I would, I don't think for me, I would have changed a lot. I think obviously nice. sometimes you wish you would have avoided the mistakes, right? You wish you would have, like when, like my, my dad, well, I was having this conversation with my dad and he said, man, don't you wish you never met those guys? Don't you wish you never did that development deal? And, mm-hmm. and my, the truth is, no, I learned so much from them, even though they did some wrong things. And I met so many amazing people during that. It opened my eyes to this whole new world that is now a huge part of what I do. And so when I look back, the biggest regrets I have, and it's so cliche to say it, but the older I get, the more it rings true is, I wish I would have taken more chances. I wish I would have not worried about the outcome so much when I was young. Like I I was one of those kids that was, I've always done my own thing. And I've always felt like that we've, I feel like I could have succeeded at much higher levels if I pushed myself a little harder because I didn't want, I didn't want to look like a failure. I wish I would have taken more chances, especially early on. I wish that I would have never sold any property that I've ever bought. Right. And so it's, (laughs) We buy and sell properties a lot. And I'm like, if I wish I would have just kept a property every single year for the last 30 years and life would be different financially, like all those different things. But if I would have done all that, there would have been a lot less learning, but I guess you would have learned different things along the way. And and, and the other thing that I wish that I would have done when I was younger or learned when I was younger is as I got older, and this is, this sounds really sappy, but. I wish I would have told the people who were really important to me, that inner circle every single day, how much they meant, how much I loved them. Because the more I realize that yeah. those moments are fleeting and you don't know when tomorrow's going to end. And I've had some instances in our lives where you get reminded of that really quick. And I wish that I just wasn't always not trying. To, I wasn't trying to be like the tough guy or anything else. I wish I would have just said, hey, listen, I appreciate you. I love you. And I, I love being around you. So I would probably say those three things. Take more chances. Yeah. Make sure the people who are important know they're important every single day. And then I wish I would have had been buying properties every single year since I was 20. <laughs> yeah. In terms of buying properties, because I'm looking at first investment property. And it's scary. Like it's scary going in the first time. So how what would your advice be for those newbies of overcoming those fears? And how do you stay focused when you're just starting out and you have no idea what you're doing? Yeah. But the biggest thing for sure is you got to bridge that knowledge gap, right? And you're going to pay, mm-hmm. you're going to pay for the knowledge one way or the other. 
And, and when it comes to paying for knowledge is you're going to make sure that somebody is going to help you and you're going to find a mentor or you're going to have to go learn it the hard way. And the school of hard knocks is really expensive. Yeah. And so my advice to somebody that is new is find somebody that you can, that can wrap your arm around. There's a lot of mentors, a lot of people, depending on what asset class you're going to run down, what type of property you're going to buy, lots of books, lots of people that are willing to help in today's day and age with podcasts and YouTube channels and everything else, then those things are, those are great resources. And sometimes it can stifle you as a brand new, because sometimes there's information overload. And so what I would do is see who you align with, see who you're like, oh, I like their style. I like their advice. Make sure they actually have the experience. But if you find somebody with experience, that's a lot cheaper than figuring this, the game out on your own. Real estate specifically, it's an expensive asset class, right? It costs a lot of money to get into it. Many times you're buying several hundred thousand up to a million dollar assets. You don't want to make major mistakes there. And because those mistakes can be really costly. So find somebody that is willing to help you. And that to me is the fastest way to accelerate your success and the fastest way to make sure that you can succeed. But also like for our, like, when, like we coach people, and I say this because we have, we coach about our, our mastermind group has about 3000 members in it wow. that are buying short term rentals and do it, investing in this asset. But the number one thing we hear is I finally felt like because somebody was in our corner that knew what was going on, that I had the confidence to move forward. And so it yeah. gave me the confidence to take that first step because it is a scary first step. There's no question. And you're going to have doubts and you're going to have fears and you're going to have insecurities. And when it's an expensive asset, it's usually a lot cheaper to just find somebody that can help you. And a lot of times that help is not very expensive. Just be careful right. that they align with your goals, that they actually have done what you're trying to do, right? There's a lot of people mm -hmm. who, who, who coach and sell stuff that they've never really done. And so sometimes that's the difficult part is weeding through some of the, the help that's available. But there's a lot of really good information out there, a lot of really good help. Absolutely. And can you tell us about vodacy.com and what resources and stuff that you offer and support? Yeah. So if somebody is thinking about getting into the short-term rental game at Vodacy, we run the largest real estate short-term rental investment group in the world right now. It's wow. the, we've got the largest network of investors across the country here in the U.S. We've got them in multiple countries up where you're at in, in Canada. We've got a lot of members up in Canada as well playing the game of short-term rentals. And so we've got a lot of free resources. Again, like I've got a book called What the Hell is a Lifestyle Asset? Somebody you can buy it on Amazon. It's a bestseller on Amazon, but you can go to vodacy.com, download a free digital copy of it. We've got a lot of free video trainings on there. We have podcasts on there that you can tap into, a lot of social channels. And so we try to help people walk into this game with their eyes wide open. We talk about the ownership model, right? We're not, we don't make money with other people's properties. We don't co-host. We don't arbitrage. We follow down really one path. So if you're interested in actually buying properties and succeeding in the short-term rental game in a mature asset class right now, because what's really fun is the middle of the markets in, like we were talking about mature markets and how mm -hmm. short-term rentals are mature now, the middle of the market is really saturated. It's really crowded. And that's where everybody's fighting right. on price and dropping price and everything else. The top of these markets are not very crowded and you don't have to do wow. a whole lot of extra things to gain some unfair advantages. We call that our grizzly method. And where you cool. gain those unfair advantages, so you don't worry about competing on price. You don't worry about market saturation. 
and you learn how to pick the right markets and the right assets to help you really succeed. And so at Odyssey.com, we've got tons of free resources on there. And then if you want to talk further, there's obviously links to chat with our team and we'll go through, we'll go through an actual strategy session of where you're at, where you want to go, how this asset fits in. The lots of resources there for people. That sounds amazing. And you've talked about it being a mature market now. So is it like, is it still viable to invest in this? Does it still make sense? Yeah, it's a, that's yeah. a great question because we assume when you hear the say, me say the wave is going out, right? We rode mm. that wave and the wave's going out. That was just a blip where everybody was making money. The supply and demand gap was so right. wide that everybody was making money. But there is more money being spent in this market year over year, every single year. And everybody said that this year was going to be down and that there was less money being spent. You're, you'll be hard pressed to find any markets that have gone down in total dollars being spent. And so if there is a lot of money being spent in short-term rentals and on short-term rentals, the market is there for you, right? It's your job to go figure out and pick the right assets in the right markets so that you can, and that set you up to get those unfair advantages to get your unfair share of business. That's what we're after. I don't want my right. fair share of business, right? I want my unfair share of business. <laughs> and so you want it, and that's in any business, right? We, when we are doing things and we're building businesses, that's our goal, right? We don't, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, you're not saying, well, I hope everybody gets, makes the same amount of money. That's short-term rentals are a little, they're little businesses. And so the game is absolutely, I, I'm so excited about the future because we are maturing, because it is mainstream, because now the things that we have to do to stand out actually make a difference. Where a couple of years right. ago, it, you could have a crappy property and I could have a really good property and we're both making money, right? Now right. I get rewarded for operating at a higher level. And, and I really, I like that. I get excited about that. Creating great customer experiences, understanding how to articulate that in our marketing to stand out in the crowds. All of those different things now, actually I get paid for, right? I, instead of being able to just say I'm riding this way. So for me, it's a more viable market. It's a lot funner to play when you really dive into this game and really have a lot of fun with it because there's a lot of money to be made because there's a lot of money being spent. Great. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it, it is exciting. We get pretty stoked about it. Even with yeah. the high prices and interest rates and everything else, there's always challenges in every market, right? And yeah, and yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. And if there's, if rates are low and prices are lower, you've got a ton, you're bidding price, you're in bidding wars and you're competing and mm -hmm. nothing, things are sitting on the market for five minutes and there's 50 offers and you're frustrated there. So there's always challenges to navigate. Right now, I, I really think the future looks bright for short-term rentals and the hospitality world because it's just, it seems to be weathering the kind of the economic turmoil really right. Nice. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you sharing so much knowledge and your expertise with us. Is there, do you have a final thought you want to share with the audience before we wrap up? Yeah, Terry, I appreciate it. And, and I appreciate you having me. I appreciate everybody listening. We know how valuable everybody's time is and spending it with us mm -hmm. is, it is important. So I appreciate that as well. And it's been a really fun conversation. I would say the final thought is what we, what I said before, it's just the mantra that we live by is to make sure you're making progress every day. Don't feel like you have to accomplish everything all at once. Like a lot of people overestimate what can happen in 30 days, but they way underestimate what, can they, what they can accomplish in a year. And so I always say, go pick that one thing that you can do every single day, start building that life. You don't want to take a vacation from. Pick those things that are important to you. And every single day, 
make at least one step forward. You're going to find those good days. You're going to make 10 steps forward. But some of those bad days that we talked about, you're going to be like, man, it's, I, I'm just doing everything I can just to move forward one step and realize that's part of the journey. And it's okay to have the bad days. You're not, there's nothing wrong with you when you have bad days. It's let's try to stack those good days and minimize those bad days and mm-hmm. just taking steps forward every single day. So I, I would say that would be the final thought that I think would be helpful. It's helpful for me to have that mindset and, and hopefully that's helpful for somebody else. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. To learn more about Sean and everything that he offers, check out the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave your five-star review and share it with a friend who you think would benefit. Thank you so much for joining us this week, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now.